This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And now something completely different. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Strap yourself in. Because we're set up, switched on and ready to go. on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Right, Chris. All right. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good day, good night, wherever you are in the world. Welcome along to another edition of The Conversation. Um, And I said last week um i can't believe i have to pinch myself when i do this show because i get to speak to people that were my heroes that i watched kicking a ball around well what what back in the day was filbert street then the walkers then um 
obviously now the king power. And I, I, sometimes I can't believe um, I'm able to do this. And I, and I do consider it an honour and I do appreciate uh, players giving the time up and coming on. Um, now, I didn't know how to introduce this next guest tonight, but I think there is only one way I can introduce him. What we're going to do right now is go back, go back, go back, go back. way back. Back in time. Pesky. Pakalima! Well, that is why there is so much fuss made about Stan Collymore. <laughs> A goal for Collymore again. Reacting quickly to the cross and guiding it past Sorensen. 3 1. Up here with Heskett. Can he present Collymore with the hat trick? Yes, is the answer. Stan Collymore. A hat trick on his home debut for Leicester City. Oh, yeah. Good evening, Stan. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you for inviting me. No, no. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we will get to that game later, but I mean that is indelibly printed in my mind. You know, home fixture, that picture, it was well, let me put it this way. I think I've showed you this before. I have a signed copy of that picture of you with the match ball then. Um, Brad, who's one of my co-hosts on here, and he's actually in the chat now, he 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 describes you as the one that got away. Um <laughs> And to be honest with you, when we think that we let you go and kept Adiak in Bayi, I, 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 I sometimes it's moments like that when you realise oh, I don't understand the football. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, it, to, to be fair, I mean, it's funny actually because Peter Taylor that that came after Martin. We'll get into Martin, yeah. I'm sure. Um, Peter came in and wanted to do things his way. He's obviously, you know, his, his stock was high at that point. He was the man that gave David Beckham his, um, his England captaincy, if you remember, as well. So Peter Taylor, as a sort of manager, was was growing. Um, and he wanted to do things his own way. He brought in the likes of Trevor Benjamin. He brought in the likes of Adi Akinbaye. Mm. And I think he wanted to edge out sort of anybody that was a big character that was... Um, that was associated with with Martin. And I think yeah. that Martin brought me in quite late. He already had a very good team that won, of course, two League Cups. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, no disrespect to to, to Adi Akinboy or Trevor Benjamin, but, you know, both, both fine players. Um, but I think that history has shown that he probably, Peter Taylor, that is, tried to break up what that Leicester City team was about um, too quickly. Characters, players that were waves and strays from other clubs, including me from Villa, that he could that Martin could galvanise under a, under one roof at Leicester City and, and and polish and turn into what they what you knew they could do. So mm. I completely understand Peter Taylor's reasons for, for keeping the likes of Adi Akinboy. It was his signing. I wasn't. But yeah, I think that history probably shows that um, certainly the, the trials and tribulations of Leicester going all the way to relegations to League One and what have you and the financial problems probably started around that Peter Taylor time. I, I think it did. And I think that's why he always comes out on top of, to be fair, 
and I've never met the guy, so I don't know what he's like. He's you know, a lovely I'll... guy. It's strange. Pete, I'm involved at South End, and, and Pete yeah. did some scouting. I was at a, a David Lloyd gym, believe it or not, in South End, and I was, I was sitting down on a sofa. A gym? A gym? What's guy, one of those? <laughs> and this guy came over, and it's Peter Taylor. He still lives in South End. He, right. he doesn't scout for us anymore. Um, no. I thought, oh, is this going to be a bit awkward? And it wasn't. He was very gracious, and I was gracious back. Peter's yes. a lovely guy. He just wanted to do things his way, and that's every—that's the right of every manager that, that that joins any football club. I've got to ask one question: Did he have Junior Lewis with him? He didn't. No, he didn't have Junior Lewis. He had a guy. I was, I was, I was asking somebody this this question the other day. He was at Gillingham, and he had a guy. He, he had a guy who just re, uh, retired from playing. Steve something, blonde-haired lad, as his first team coach. And I thought that that was a, a brave move, but ultimately one didn't work because it was a guy that had just come out of playing at Gillingham, several leagues below. Um, yeah. Wasn't, you know, I mean, nobody is Steve Wolford, nobody is John Robertson and nobody no. is Martin O'Neill. They're, they're, they're unique. And the three of them together worked extraordinarily well as a, as a, as a threesome. But it was a very young coach that he brought in and, and that Leicester City dressing room was full of big names and big characters. And I think that Steve, the first team coach, got swallowed up it a little bit in that. But no, he didn't bring Junior Lewis with him. Um, but he brought no, I just thought when you met him in the gym, because he, I think he took him to virtually every club he went to, Junior Lewis went with him. Yeah, I mean, like I say, he wasn't at Leicester. I know Junior, he's seen him dotting about now and again, but he didn't. He... He came in, he brought Steve as his first team coach. And that was it. I don't think, I think, like I say, he wanted to get into the club and, and bring new energy in. And that was yeah. players like Trevor Benjamin and, and Adam Akinbaye. But um, no, Pete wanted to do it his own way. And like I say, he had every every right to do that as a manager that, uh, that Leicester City uh, Football Club hired at that time. It's always difficult, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, it's like the Alex Ferguson thing at Man United trying to follow somebody that was as popular and had won things. Because at that particular point in time, you know, two, well, three cup finals, two winning two in sort of four years, it was a great success for us, staying in the Premier League, not coming straight back down again. It was always going to be difficult to to follow that, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that, that you know, it's it's it's... You usually, as a football manager, want to follow the guy that follows the guy. So yeah. David Moyes after Sir Alex Ferguson, it's yeah. like you want to be the next guy because you know how difficult it's potentially going to be. Yeah, you're also taking not, not just Martin in terms of his success at, at, at Leicester City, but it, it, like I say, it was very much a three men: uh, John Robertson, Forest legend, arguably their greatest ever player; Martin O'Neill, you know, Forest legend, yeah. won European cups. Um, and Steve Wolford, that was the, the third part, and Seamus McDonough, the goalkeeping coach as well, so four of them, is that they came as a package. So it wasn't just about Martin and his ability to coach a team or even to win trophies. It was the fact that he so heavily relied on two or three other guys to be able to help mm. him on his way. He Martin wouldn't have been the, the kind of coach that he was, the kind of manager that he was, without Steve Wolford, without Seamus McDonough and without John Robertson. Yeah, you indeed. In, 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 it's like I think you've always got those partnerships, you know, like Clough and Taylor. And uh, you know, I mean, God, don't get me wrong. I, I would have loved Brian Clough to go on and be England manager, but fortunately, well, you know, when he split, it wasn't quite the same. 
um, for him. And you know, the same with, with Nigel Pearson um, uh, 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 and Craig Shakespeare. Yeah, it, it is the sort of you know these packages, if you like, they come as packages. But um, pa- packages, you were born obviously in in, in the uh, in the West Midlands there. Um, but your first, well, your first major club was was Stafford Rangers, which was down uh, non- in the conference, was it? I believe. Yeah, it was in it was in yeah. what is now the National League, which is what we're involved in now at South End. We uh, we got hammered last night at Notts County four 0 Very good team, Notts County, by the way. So it's in the fifth tier. Um, a very potted history. I'd been an apprentice at Wolves and also Warsaw. Scored goals at both, but got released. Then went to Stafford Rangers. Had only probably about a year, 18 months there. And um, and lots of scouts came to watch. Um, one of which was Steve Koppel at Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace were riding high then at the uh, it, it, towards the top of the old, the last season, the old first division. Yeah. And I went down and had a trial, really successful. And he just said, look, do you want to play for Crystal Palace? And I was like, yeah. And for the next two or three years, I was actually sort of mentored by another former Foxes player, Mark Bright, that of course you All might right. remember. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have a lot of success at, at, at Leicester City. He, he, most of his success was at Crystal Palace. Hmm. But um, but yeah, I had a real learning curve about professional football and about dressing rooms and about how, you know, you had to fight your corner in a, in a, in a football dressing room to be able to make a career. You had to be a strong character. Yeah. All things that, that, you know, I had to learn from, from scratch because um, I wasn't a sort of eight, nine-year-old like they are now that go into academies. It was 16, 17, and um, I, I just wanted to play football. I didn't know anything else about the football industry. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a real learning curve at Crystal Palace. Um, two really good years there learning. I was in the reserves. I was in the reserves with Gareth Southgate. I was in the reserves with a guy called Jamie Morley that went on and played for Millwall, Crew, Watford. Um, and that gave me the tools then to be able to go on um, to Southend. When I was at Southend United, I went there um, for £150,000 and um, they were in the championship and struggling. And Leicester in the division. I remember scoring one of my best ever goals at Filbert Street, but it was chalked off. Ball had been kicked out by whoever the goalkeeper was. It mm. dropped and I hit it on the half volley and it didn't go above three feet on the ground. <laughs> uh, two, about, no, about a foot and a half above the ground. But I drilled it from about 35, 40 yards and it stayed like that. And it went in and the referee gave a foul for one of my teammates. But Southend was the real place that I would say that I learnt my tools as a first-team player. Mm. Crystal Palace was where I learnt my general overview of, of professional football life. But it was Southend United, where I'm back involved now as a football strategist. Um, where in the Championship, in a very good league, we were relegation-threatened and, um, and I helped to keep them up. So, uh, yeah, I, I loved my time down there and, and that's why I wanted to go back and help the club in their time of need, which is which is now. Did you know that's understandable? I mean, you were saying about Crystal Palace. Not only did you have Mark Bright, but you had Ian Wright as well. I mean, you yeah. must have looked at that and thought, I'm not going to get on here. No disrespect yeah. to you. But... Pretty much, isn't it? and when when Wrighty went to Arsenal, they bought Mark. They, they, they spent the money on Marco Gabbiadini um, from I think he was at Sunderland. Then Marco didn't work. 
Then they brought Chris Armstrong that did work. He helped get them promoted. Um, and even Chris Coleman, uh, that was, of course, uh, Wales manager yeah. um, not so long ago. He was a central defender and they even played him up front before me. So I knew my opportunities were limited. So, yeah, Southend was the, the, the right club at the right time in the right division. Yeah. I, uh, without my goals, we wouldn't have stayed in the championship, which means that I went from a club where I was second, third, fourth, fifth choice to being, it was it was on me. And it, yes. was, it was a really, really, I was only, again, only there for six months, but um, the impact was, was great on Southend and also the impact was great on me. And then it was, um, I don't know whether, I don't know whether, you'd say Leicester and Forest were massive rivals. I know that Forest don't see it as a sort of huge rivalry. But, um, they say that. They say that. But how disappointed were they when we beat them and how happy were they when they beat us? Yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an East Midland rivalry. I think there is yeah. kind of like, you know, probably falls under one of those where because the teams haven't always been in the same divisions, that it's been a little bit more difficult. But yeah, I went to Nottingham Forest and had two sensational years there. Well, at South End, I mean, you had, I'm just looking here. You got one in every two games at South End. Yeah, and a team that was struggling. So, yeah. so that's what got me the move to Forest. Who, who was the manager who took you to Forest? So it was Colin Murphy that was actually was actually Derby County manager for a little while. So yeah. he's he's uh, Lincoln City as well. So his football background had been um, in the East Midlands, the east part of the country. So yeah, Colin had noticed me when I was at Crystal Palace Reserves, and he said. If, I, if I'm ever in a position to be able to sign this kid, I will. And he did. So, yeah, 18 goals in 30 games, which helped us stay in the, stay in the championship. Mm. And then you, you had, well, basically, I think uh, Nottingham Forest was where, and we've got a Nottingham Forest fan in the chat as well. That's where you really made a name for yourself, wasn't it? Yeah, 50 goals, 68 games. Um, we got promoted in second behind Crystal Palace. In the first season, so we went straight back up. Again, talking about the man that comes next after a legend, Frank Clark came after Brian Clough. Um, we'd lost Roy Keane, so Roy Keane had gone. They bought me from um, from Crystal uh, from Southend, and you know to be able to help to get the club back up in the first season, having lost Brian Clough and having lost Roy Keane was. A fantastic achievement but then it was the real test was on me could I play in the Premier League and I scored on my debut against Man United that were the reigning champions Giggs, Cantona, Kanchelski, Bruce, Pallister, Keane, Ince, uh, Schmeichel and I did really well I scored and we, we, we got a point at the city ground and I thought if I can play well against these I can play well against anybody and so that season in the Premier League, we finished third, which is still the highest uh, place for a promoted club in the Premier League. Mm. And I got 25 goals. So I got 25 in the uh, Championship and then another 25 in the, in the Premier League. So for me, those two seasons were absolutely fantastic and um, obviously put me on the radar of clubs towards the top of the table. And, and one of those was, uh, was Liverpool Football Club. Yeah. I mean... What did you do in the second season? You didn't go on and win the Premier League, did you? Oh, sorry, no, that was Leicester. Sorry, I just had to get... Uh, yeah. <laughs> second <laughs> season, no, not the first season. I will give you that. Very good. <laughs> I, 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 I was there the night when Ness and Dormer, I was, I was working for TalkSport on the night, and I went down yeah. pitch side and chatted to the players and stuff. So I was there. I watched, I, I commentated on a lot of games that season, and it was... 
yeah. they can't, can they? Every single week with Spurs chasing them down, of course. But yes, a, a quite incredible achievement. Second season after um, after promotion, then uh, winning the, the Premier League is indeed a miracle. But the highest, there's two clubs actually. Nottingham Forest finished third, mm-hmm. having been promoted. And Newcastle United did the same. Um, same point, 72 points, which was... Kevin Keegan's entertainers of the of the early nineties. So two teams have done it. Yeah, I mean your time at Forest. Um, you had, you know, you, I mean you can't say you know you enjoyed it. Amazing. I mean it was it was it was beyond enjoyment. So I was, I was you know putting myself on the the back pages every week, and that basically meant that I think that Arsenal, Everton, Liverpool were interested. Manchester United were interested as well, but they went for Andy Cole, who was banging in goals for Newcastle. And I went to Liverpool and I completely, when I went to Liverpool, I had to reconstruct my game because Robbie Fowler was the main goal scorer. And so I worked around him. So I got lots of assists. The partnership over the two seasons, I think it was 102 goals and 30-odd assists between us. So it was one of the best strike partnerships in Europe without a shadow of a doubt. Um, But yeah, going to Liverpool, just sort of everything became bigger. The notoriety became bigger because it's Liverpool and it's just one of those clubs globally that that people are interested in. So uh, two very good seasons at Nottingham Forest, two good seasons, very solid seasons at Liverpool. My regret there is not winning the title. Then we'll skip over Aston Villa if we if we can. Cause I had three horrible seasons there. John Gregory. We'll, we'll, we'll ignore Villa. Yeah, uh, John we Gregory. Tried to anyway. Who are they? Yeah. Well, I want to get to I want to get to Leicester. I want to get to the Foxes because you know even though I wasn't there that long, um, yeah. it was it was the best dressing room that I'd uh, that I'd played in, the biggest set of characters I'd ever played with. Yeah. And under Martin O'Neill, John Robertson, Steve Wolford, it was it was the best football environment that I'd been in. So when you say the one that got away, I was actually I was of course at the club, but I think if Martin had, would have stayed and not gone to Celtic, um, and he'd have signed a new contract for another two or three years, I think that I'd have been there alongside him for sure. I think yes, I think you would have done. I just want to go because obviously your move to Liverpool was British transfer record then. Yeah. Beating um, Andy Cole, who, as you say, yeah. today it would be about 135 million apparently. I know in, in, the, in the adjusted rate, so yeah, it still would have been a British record transfer. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky in many ways South End record transfer, yeah. Forest record transfer, Forest record sale, Liverpool record buy, Villa record buy. So, uh, so yeah, I was. Um, you know, it was it was it was nice to have big moves and see all the mechanics around those moves as well. Yes, Luke, there that the true red. That's Luke there, uh, the Nottingham Forest fan. What a great player! Uh, my dad will never forget you. So thank you very much, you Reds. I don't know. How, I don't know. How, hey, Dave, this will be edited out. <laughs> I, I don't know how old his dad is, though. Of course, <laughs> that's the thing. He's a uh, whippersnapper. Yeah, and I've got to say, I did that intro before with the three goals, and we will talk about that match because, like I say, I remember it so well. But those matches that you played for Liverpool, because. I was thinking, like, people always say there's the Aguero moment with the shout-out for his goal. There's the Vardy when he got his 11th yeah. goal in 11. But the Collymore one, which probably wasn't as loud as I remember, but 
the two matches that you played against Newcastle as a neutral, they were absolutely bloody brilliant. The, um, the, the, if anybody hasn't seen it, go on. The, the full game is on there. We obviously now get very used to just potted three minute digests yes. and highlights. Yes, but it, it was the great. It, it, it is, and I've commentated on about 900, 950 games at Premier League level, Champions League, World Cups, Euros. So I know what I'm talking about, and. Just because I played in that wasn't the reason why I felt it was such a great game. I've watched it back and it's what was the best or what is the best about the Premier League. Two teams having a really good go at each other, yeah. filled with attacking talent, filled with endeavour and skill, um, last minute winner. And then the following season, there was a last minute winner. It was just kind of, but the, the, the first game really was a classic. It was a, an absolutely end-to-end. -end. 90 minutes, I mean, I remember Andy Gray saying, 90 minutes had never gone so quick. It felt like 10 minutes. Um, I felt very privileged to play in it, very privileged to score the winner in it. And it is still, in most polls, the, the, you know, the, for a 90-minute football match at that level, the greatest ever played. So what better than to, to score the winning goal in that game? Absolutely it was like fantastic. I mean, you just came from the left, totally unmarked. I mean, you probably had a bigger effect on Kevin Keegan, bless him. We tried to hide yeah, it. Yeah, because they didn't win the league and he had to he had to come out, if you remember, because they lost the league, they exploded then, and United won the league, yeah. Yeah. which I get reminded of by United fans that Liverpool helped Man United <laughs> win the league. But, um, but, yeah, Kevin Keegan had to come out and say, we're going to continue to play like this or I go. And, mm. you know, then there was the sort of... Um, he, he, he had a, a pop at Sir Alex Ferguson in one of the presses after, and he'd lost it, bless him. Yes, but, yeah. Um, yeah, really good two years at Liverpool, really good two years at Forest. Um, played under two former lessons. You were, you were referring to was actually this. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. <laughs> it was probably that. Um, Doug's in, Doug, Doug's a Liverpool fan. Um, we get it's like a a, a, a Stan Collymore fan club coming. Hello in. everyone, hope you well. Say hello to your dads, all of you. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, Villa Villa was difficult, and I, I, I only want to touch briefly on mental health because there are lots of YouTube videos of me talking about mental health. Yeah, um, and I know that it's something you want to talk about, so I don't want to sort of poo-poo it or not talk about it. But no. effectively, the three years I had at Villa, poor form. Poor life choices and, you know, my mental health was starting to creak at Liverpool. Being the big signing at the big club um, was quite difficult, was quite isolating. I remember talking to the Liverpool physio and saying, something's not right here. And he said, no, no, you'd be fine. And it all came to a head at Villa. And I, I basically was the first sportsman anywhere on the planet during a season to go and get mental health treatment at a hospital and to come out and say, I struggle. And so it's amazing to see now so many people having the mental health conversation on social media. Youngsters thrive. It's fantastic what youngsters do in terms of um, not being fearful of, of our generation was fearful about talking, pull your, pull your socks up, roll your sleeves yeah. up. That's what we were told as kids. That's gone now. And yeah. now people can talk about their mental health. You know, I have mental health issues, but I work the same as everybody else. I work the same hours. I have less time off than most people do. So it shouldn't be any more, any uh, as much of a big deal as physical health. But because of this... Away days are great.
but when you can't play away, there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Muck Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Stigma around it, and the stigma around it for many generations, you're mad, you're crazy, you're this, you're that, you're that, is that the youngsters are really driving it. So two years at Villa that were poor on the pitch bar, I scored a, a cracker at the whole end where I used to stand as a kid. Um, against Atletico Madrid in the quarterfinal of the uh, UEFA Cup. But for me, the Villa experience was tarnished with my manager, John Gregory, who was Brian Little's assistant at Leicester, if you remember. Yes, so yes. another two Leicester men. Leicester's always yeah. been around my career. <laughs> some way, so before. Oh, you like the green yeah, um, is that John at the time didn't understand that mental health wasn't something that you could just wish away by playing well or, or, mm. or rolling your sleeves up. So, yeah, then John came into me one day and said, Lester, Martin O'Neill wants you to come in. I'm not going to play you here at Villa. And I couldn't wait to go. I could not wait to join up with Martin O'Neill. I couldn't wait to join up with John Robertson that had been an idol of mine since I was a kid. Um, so, yeah, then we get to Filbert Street. And we get to a, a short but very memorable period of, of my career and my life. The, 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 the old lady that was uh, uh, Filbert Street. I just want to say hello to Miss Molina and I hope you're OK. And I want to just say, if you don't bear with me here, sorry, Stan, uh, our thoughts here, and I'm sure everybody's in the chat, goes out to Stephen. He's a huge Arsenal fan. Uh, he's, he's suffered for a long time. Um, with liver disease, he's had a lot of um, replacements that haven't worked, and he is put in being put by his family into end of life care. So, our thoughts go out to him. I know that we did a special tribute show earlier to him. Melina, you were on there. Uh, is an Arsenal fan. It doesn't matter when it comes to things like this. Uh, I'm sure we all wish him all the best. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd echo that and certainly send my very best wishes. Um... I have um, have chatted to. Uh, I, I like to talk to people on social media, and often, whether it be mental health issues or physical health issues, I went to see um, a lad called Neil that was in a hospice, and um, South at the massive Fairvenny fan, and he was in a hospice in Cambridge. This was around October, November last year, and he didn't have long left, and we I took him a shirt. Uh, signed by all the boys and we had a walk down memory lane and that will sit with me forever because to see his face when he was wheeled around the corner mm. knowing he only had a matter of weeks to live uh, will live in my memory forever and um, yeah I think it's it really important that, that, that it doesn't matter whether it's mental health or physical health that we 
you know, try and be around and, and um, you know, that, that famous phrase, be kind. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sending all my very best to uh, to him as well. Hope, um, hope, uh, hope. I'll he's, send him a clip. I'll send him a clip of this. It'll mean a lot to him. Please do. But, uh, I mean, you, you joined Leicester. Uh, we, I mean, as, as fans, we were like, wow, the, you know, we've got a player of, you know, we could only ever dream about getting somebody, you know, uh, of your standard. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, Emil Heskey was young coming through, yeah. Neil Lennon, but the, uh, and, and Savage, and is it, but they were all sort of, you know, been rejected by other clubs and, and, a bit of a mishmash, but you came and it's like wow. Now you couldn't play, unfortunately, in the final that year because you no. were tied Cup to the tied. yeah. Um, and then you uh, had a bit of fun with a fire extinguisher, I believe. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, again, I'll tell this story, but I'll keep it very brief. We'd been to La Manga. Uh, I signed on the Wednesday and Martin said, we're going on a team bonding trip to La Manga on the weekend. There was no yeah. game. We all get there. We all go out. A lot of the lads play golf in the day. We all go out at the night time, have a couple of beers. And an initiation for the new boy was uh, Neil Lennon saying, um, Mick Yeoman, that was the physio, he said, give, give Mick Yeoman a little bit of, a, of the fire extinguisher, a bit of a laugh, make all the lads giggle yeah so i did a little bit of spray went on his face that was it so yeah. lenny turned around and went no no give it him really give it him so i pressed it not realizing that when you press down on a fire extinguisher it stays on there's no on off powder went everywhere in the room um this bloke come running out of the mist jump jumped on matty elliott's back first mistake Somebody else came out and it just was chaos. Bloke was playing a piano in the corner. It's just like something out of a film. We wake, <laughs> up the again, next day, we wake up the next day, Robbo knocks my door and he said, we've been kicked out of the hotel. We, don't, yeah. we hadn't been there 24 hours. And I was like, yeah. oh my God. He said, somebody set a fire extinguisher off. So I kept my mouth shut. I was like... As you do, as you do. do, do? We all got on the bus. We got back to England. The phone rang on the bus, the team bus, and Martin, it was Martin O'Neill, and he said, meet me at Sketchley Grange, two o'clock, I want to know what's gone on. Mm. It's all in the press, really bad. So we get to Sketchley Grange, and Martin said, who set the fire extinguisher off? And I said, me, gaffer. And he went, I was warned, I was warned against signing you. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to sack me on the spot here. Yeah. He said, be in my office tomorrow morning, nine o'clock. Went into the office at Beaver, the old Beaver, tra uh, Beaver training Beaver ground. Yeah. And he's got all of the newspapers out in front of him. And he said, all the, all the lines that had me had been sort of marked with a Sharpie. Yeah. And he said, the first thing you're going to do is buy your mum some flowers. He said, it's an absolute disgrace that you're in the papers today. Make sure you buy your mum some flowers. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, as far as I'm concerned, this is a yellow card offence. He said, but you breathe in the wrong place again and you're out. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this was on the Saturday morning. On the Sunday, we were playing Leicester City. Uh, we were playing Sunderland. Sunderland. Leicester City v Sunderland at Filbert Street on Sky Super Sunday. Yeah. So I'm like, I better pull my finger out here. I'm, everybody's watching. It's on national telly. Gaffer's there. He's not happy with me. I score a hat-trick. 
Yeah. And I got the match ball, which is that photo of me looking up to the stands where my family was at the time. And I walked back across, that's the one. Yeah. And I'm walking back across the pitch and Martin O'Neill is striding towards me, striding with real kind of purpose. I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> and he just came up to me. I shan't give you the blue version, but he said, <laughs> you lucky so-and-so, you. And uh, we had a bit of a laugh. And then for me, that's why I wanted to stay at the club. The lads looked after me, people like Ian Marshall, yeah. um, Walshy, Muzzy. Just a really great dressing room of really good characters that were, you know, enjoyable to play with. It was a, we were a really good team. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I bonded with the supporters and the players on that day against, uh, oh. against Sunderland 5-2. Not a bad way to mark your home debut, was it? <laughs> You know, and uh, Stefan Oakes got one. Um, he did, Oakes. Yeah, of course. He's what, what's the quiz question about his dad? His dad's in Shawadi Wadi, I believe. Indeed. So that was yeah. the quiz question for all you out there. Yeah. Steph Oakes that played for Leicester City. His dad is in Shawadi Wadi. You're going to have yeah. to ask your dads or even your granddads what Shawadi Wadi is. <laughs> I was going to say, there's going to be all the questions like, oh, uh, go back and look. The, the, one of the first ever conversation shows I did was with Dave Bartram. It was the lead singer with the show Waddy Waddy. He's right. a good friend of the show. I mean, I, mean, I don't, uh, I mean, uh, you never know what's true on Wikipedia or not, but it said there was £700 worth of damage and you got fined quite a bit more than that. I probably got two weeks' wages for sure. Yeah. I got two yeah. weeks' wages fine. Um, yeah. I don't know about the £700, but I had to pay that as well. So it was a, it was a lesson learned. Don't yeah. be setting off any fire extinguishers, kids. Don't do what your teammates tell you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, of course, the, the fourth goal, which was the, the, the second one in the match, Emil Heskey, who would kind of move where you come from. Yeah. Liverpool. I mean, Brad saying here, um, I know that Heskey moved, but the Premier League was cruelly robbed of Heskey Collymore as a strike for. Yeah, it was good. We, we we played together the game before against Watford and I knew straight away we had a good partnership. Yeah. Emil came and spoke to me. And again, just a little anecdote. I'm just wary. My battery's on red on my phone, so I've, I've oh. got loads of left, left more time. But uh -huh. um, in terms of the players... And the spirit and the character of that Leicester City dressing room mm. is that, um, firstly, Emil came up to me and asked my advice about Liverpool. I said, look, if Liverpool ever come knocking, it's one of those clubs that you have to go to. If you get an opportunity in your lifetime to go, go. And he did. And I, I was flattered that, uh, that he asked. And mm. then the second one was when I broke my leg at Derby, which Derby oh, fans yeah. still sing about. Yeah. I'm their nemesis, not only because I'm a red dog playing for Nottingham Forest, but I play for Leicester as well, so they really hate me. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> they still sing about me. Thank you, Derby fans. Uh, yeah. Living rent-free in your head, as the kids say. But um, when I broke my leg, I went into a hospital in Leicester to have a pin in my... In my uh, it, was a light, it, was, it wasn't a bad fracture, but the ligament damage was, was quite right. severe. Right. And all the team came to visit. Um, Martin O'Neill, John Robertson, Steve Walford and Seamus McDonough came on a separate visit. And Emil Heskey that had signed for Liverpool and was playing for Liverpool drove down from Liverpool to come and visit me. Uh, That's what that Leicester City dressing room was all about. Yes, yes. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm uh, concerned about your phone. Just quickly to say, the, with the mental health, because I do know a lot of people that do these channels, um, as indeed I did. It was my way of I'd lost my job. There was COVID. I'd lost my mum. I'd had a heart attack. There's all different reasons why we get depression. Uh, until you've got it, I don't think you understand it. I mean, from my from my perspective, one in three people at some time in their lifetime will struggle. Yeah, I've had struggles, and at the moment, I'm very physically fit and mentally in a in a good place. But that's not always the case. No. People with mental health issues, they they tend to come back and they tend to come back sometimes very light. You know, you might feel bad for a week or two. Sometimes it can be a, you know significant. And I've been, I've had both, both times. Yeah. So for me, things like exercise are really important. Um, having a really good support network are important. But I think the most important thing is to talk. And when I was at Aston Villa and I was really struggling, and everybody's saying, how can you have depression? You're a footballer, you're in fortunes, yeah. you're playing for Aston Villa. In for mm. Is the conversation then was trying to persuade people that mental health issues are the same and should be the same, uh, um, treated the same as physical health issues. We're now 25 years down the line, and they are, but it's still difficult. You still get people, oh, what's, what's, he got to be, what's she got to be depressed about? Yeah. One in three people in their lifetime, which is a lot of people, I think it's half of us will have cancer. So mm. it's, it's one in three will struggle or know somebody that struggles with a mental health issue. If yeah. I could only impart one tiny tidbit of advice would be to talk. Talk to your pal, talk to your mom, talk to your dad, talk to your auntie, your uncle. Uh, yeah. there's, there's lots more um, anonymous uh, meetings now. Uh, after COVID and everybody's using Zoom, you can blank your face out and go onto groups whereby mm. you don't have to be visible, you don't have to show your face, but you can open up. Please, 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 if you're struggling, open up talk and i promise you talking helps talking saves lives and talking will get you towards where you want to be which is normal, natural health mental health you just don't know i mean you know i always say robin williams you know the the comedian exactly actor, he looked you know always the life and soul whenever he was on a chat show made all these famous comedies exactly films. And it's like with this, sometimes, you know, I do this and people look at me and I'm having a laugh and a joke. When that camera goes off, it's almost like that lemming on the edge of the cliff. And I think once you've got admitted and accepted you've got it, and that's quite difficult sometimes, is admitting that you've got it. Like you say, I've I've done a long, long course uh, on, on, on a Zoom meeting uh, over sort of 26 weeks. Talking is such a big it's sharing it and it's sharing it with somebody that you don't know for me because you're not judged absolutely and that's the most important thing is that the reason why i say friends and family initially because friends and family won't judge but no. there are lots of groups great charities like mind and saying they won't judge saying as a phone line if you are struggling go and google saying s-a-n-e saying charity and they have a, a phone line, a free phone line from nine in the morning till 10.30 at night. Mm. Use, these, use these avenues to be able to keep you on top of, uh, of your mental health. Because when you keep it to yourself, when you don't talk, it builds and it builds and it builds. And unfortunately, you know, we talk about the men's game and men's football. 
Um, in terms of, of the statistics for men that take their own life, it is horrific. And it's, yes. unavoid, it's, uh, it's avoidable. It's avoidable by talking. It's avoidable by reaching out to people. It's avoidable by um, accepting help. So whoever you are, wherever you're from, if you take one, just one tiny bit of advice from me is talk to somebody now, tomorrow, the next day. Yeah. And of course, you had a very good book out about it, Tackling My Demons. Yes. So it's all in yeah. there. My, uh, yeah. my weird and wonderful life. So, uh, yeah. yes, it's out there somewhere. Yeah. And quickly ending, because like I said, I'm concerned about your back troop. South End, you're back there now helping them out. Um, I, I've worked, I've worked all over the country after I left Leicester. Some people would say I was on the witness protection program. I moved about that much, but part of my time, uh, in the Northwest was in, uh, in working in Bury and working in Bolton, two clubs, yes. uh, one of which managed to be saved and one of which wasn't. And I think it's, it's like with Derby now, as much as, Yes, you know, I, I like to see them relegated. I'm not going to lie. Would I like to see them go out of business? Not at all, because Leicester nearly went there twice. And yeah. um, <laughs> it, it's the heart and soul of, of so many towns. And I, what I remember of Bury, you know, it, it's not the biggest club in the world. And it, it's going to struggle, obviously, with everything that COVID. But do you think that the, the rich clubs, I mean, when you look at how much Chelsea are. I've spent this transfer window. Could they in some way not, whether it's a feeder club or somehow help these smaller clubs? Yeah, I mean, at Southend, we, we're going through issues. We've been in an embargo. That's public knowledge since September. Mm. I'm part of the football department, so we're a bit paralysed at bringing players in at the moment, but we're still competitive. We're in the, the top six still in the, in the National League, which is fantastic. So we're competing despite we did a lot of our business very early. Um, in the in the, the summer transfer window, is that South End is now a city? It's a growing city, and a growing city deserves a football club. Every club in the every town and city in the country usually has a football club, whether it's non-league or pro. Is that I would like to see um, the the solidarity fund grow in terms of what trickles down. I don't think much is trickling down. No, if I'm being perfectly honest, I think that we need some uh, sensible sort of um, ideas put forward as to um, making sure that there are fit and proper owners, that they have to pass certain tests, that they have to put up certain financial guarantees. Um, so in my role at Southend, we're very aware because we're in it uh, of, of the struggles of many, many clubs up and down the country. But what yeah. I would say is, is that if European football, UEFA, FIFA, the, the FA, the Premier League, can get their head around that there's just not 20 big clubs in, on planet football and that the pyramids around the world all support. Everybody, you know, came from somewhere to get into mm -hmm. somebody's first team at Chelsea or at Man United or Arsenal or Leicester is that the more money that we can have propping up the championship leagues, one league, two, and a vibrant pyramid, the better it will be for English football. I'm just really aware that I'm probably going to go off any second now. So yeah, another problem. No, I agree. Look, I'll, I'll come, I'd love to come on in the future, hopefully when uh, towards the end of the season, maybe, and do a bit of a fallout with you on Leicester City season. Um, love to have you on. Love to have you on. Absolutely, and flesh out some of the other stuff. But yeah. I want to thank you for having me on. Thank you for everybody for listening. 
The only reason I'm going is because literally my battery is red and it just came up 5%. So I'm going to love you and leave you. I appreciate your time and giving up the timestamp. Thank you very much. You take care of yourself and hopefully take I can speak again take soon. Care. Take care. Thank you. Be good. Bye-bye. Wow. What a man. Um, I said at the start, I, I started this channel and I think it's kind of hit me today with the news about Stephen. And I'm sorry that I didn't get the chance to, 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 to ask all your questions. I know some of the questions uh, he actually answered as he was talking through uh, and obviously others we would have put to him, but, but, but he had to go. And I, I do appreciate, because these are players that I have grown up watching. I mean, Ian Hume the other week, um, I was talking to Jerry Taggart. These are players that I've idolised. Steve Walsh on the pitch. You know, Russell Osman I've watched. And the chance to get to speak to them. It, it, I have to pinch myself sometimes. But and I wanted to particularly, and please bear with me on this, because I did want to ask Stan, one of the things I wanted him on for was because he has battled with mental health. And I've had that same battle now for the last three, four years, uh, probably a lot longer than that, probably most of my life with my disability and my bullying, etc. The problem is admitting it and accepting that actually I'll, you have probably got it. And what Stan said there was, and, and it hits me so much with Stephen today, and I was watching as I was in a, in a little bit in uh, a special chat. And if you, if you haven't watched it yet, please do go and look um for uh if some if if i don't know if mel's still in if you can put the link in for the show but please go and watch it um our thoughts do go out to stephen um do you know what it, it, it's brought it home today but we are all in fact it's still going on now it's still going on now so please wait until i have uh, maybe finished and then uh go over let me put the link in in the chat for you um and go over and give give him your support, and maybe um, maybe make a donation to the Children's Liver Foundation. But um, yeah, um, talk. I I hold off talking for a long time, and I sort of use COVID as an excuse not to. Then like, oh, we can't go and speak to anybody because we can't get out. Yes, we could. We have Zoom. We've got all these sort of things. Uh, and I know there's a lot of, and obviously I'm not going to name names, but, you know, there's a lot of people that I know out there, fellow fellow YouTubers, fellow bloggers for football, that have gone into it for the same reason. Without this channel, I don't know if I would be here because I'd have probably certainly jumped out the window. That said, I'm only on the first floor, so I'd have probably just broken a leg. But look, my, my huge thanks to... Um, to stand for coming on. Um, it is absolutely unbelievable that he did. Doug's just put the link in there as well. Um, yeah, you say that. Thank you for that, Doug. That means that means an awful lot. We're in this community. I was I had my son, my son came to see me earlier. He does missionary work in Africa. Uh, he, he's very much into the church and what have you. And I say I have I have friends, and then I have youtube friends um but sometimes it's easier to talk to youtube friends because they, they, they don't know you as well and as silly as that sounds it does give you an opportunity to to be more more honest 
but do get out there, make sure you speak. Thanks so much for Stan. Next week, uh, Paul Ross, um, TV presenter, brother of Jonathan, and talk sport through the night radio presenter will be on the show. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, we're going to have a lot more people coming on in the future as well. Hopefully, I'm going to try and make this as regular as I can and putting feelers out to get different people to come on. Thank them all for their time. Thanks to Stan. We'll hopefully get him on towards the end of the season. Lovely, lovely man. Uh, even if he did need uh, <laughs> subtitles for his best. For his accent. If you've been watching this, thank you so much, YouTube and um, Twitch, Lester Till I Die TV. And if you have been listening on your favorite podcast platform, thank you so very, very much for lending me your ears. You can have them back now. Uh, let's just do this once more, shall we? Because it's, it's always worth listening to. No, it's not, because that's not the one. What we're going to do right now is go back, go back, go back, way back, back in time. Heskey. Kakalima! Well, that is why there is so much fuss made about Stan Collymore. Can he present Collymore with the hat-trick? Yes, is the answer. Stan Collymore. A hat-trick on his home debut for Leicester City. I'll see you tomorrow, 9 o'clock, for the Arsenal preview. Thanks very much, guys. Go and check that channel out and give your support for Stephen. Take care. Thoughts with you, Stephen. Be strong. Good night. Thanks for watching. These videos are tremendous. You'd better like them too or I'll be back. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. That's all, folks. Thanks for watching Lester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up 
about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? A participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.